Morning, all. I got a call this morning about half past eight from a large client down south to say they'd had a major landslip. So I am going to set my timer on my phone and hopefully the phone doesn't ring. It hasn't so far, so that's all good. Unfortunately, I've got some people that can actually take care of that for me. But um, look, I, I have to say it's an exciting time to be here. And, and look, I'm honoured to actually, on behalf of the missions team, to actually have a go at this. A couple of things I'd like to say first is 3-2, Harry McCosh, we're still there. It's up to you. But also to Bradley Clark, we had some technology issues this morning and the slides just weren't working. So I have to take my hat off to Bradley for actually getting it to work for me. So thanks, mate. You've sort of saved me. But um, I guess for those of you who don't know me, Steve Hills is my name, and I guess if you were here for the baptism, you won't. I lead the missions team here at St Albans Baptist Church, and I guess the thing I really want to emphasise today is that missions is all around us. Even though we focus on overseas Baptist missions and overseas missions in general, everything I have to say today, you can stay on the title slide, mate. You've got to wait for my calls. You're not that good after all. Um, (laughs) Basically, everything I have to say today doesn't undermine the hard work that we have to put in locally here in New Zealand, okay? So even though lots of you are involved at local level with the likes of NHT and a lot of outreach, it is not undermining what missions is all about, local and global. But I guess I wanted just to have a quick look at the story Jeanette told last week relevant to her story in Thailand where she actually went to pray for a a man who was actually caught up in the spirit realm. And basically, I thought there were sort of three or four things that really stood out. And if I take a step this way, and if I go down the negative path, I think about the sheer anxiety, because remember what she said, she was laid out for a day after actually praying for that man. And so the anxiety, we all know what anxiety is. It's the the fear of going into an environment that we don't think we can deal with, and the emotions that stir up inside us, and the heartbeat that we get, and just the sheer stress of what we're about to go into. But then, as I said before, we take another step, and we think about the sheer fear of what she was going into. And now Jeanette would have had training, she would have been experienced, she was grow, grew up in a Christian family, but the sheer fearness of what she was going to do would have been enormous because the spirit realm for a missionary is probably one of the biggest challenges. Then I take another step and I talk about the actual doubt, the doubt that she believes in herself, can she actually do this, has she had the training, has she done it before, what's going on? And then the fourth one would be the consequence of failure. So all those four things that the devil would play on her mind dramatically would cause her to say to herself, why am I doing this? Why am I going to this environment where I don't actually know if I can do it? But then you turn it around and I go back this one, I say, wow, what an amazing experience to enter into the battle on God's behalf. Because you know that you've got the armor of God right beside you and the spirit of the Lord feeding through you to deal with what that spirit realm is. And just imagine if she can drive that spirit out by having a strength of faith in God. And imagine the strength in her faith journey and knowing that she is actually doing what God called her to do. And you know what? She might just defeat that because God can defeat everything. So whilst we can go down a path of being, wow, why would a missionary put themselves in that position to do that? But you go back the other way and you think, what an amazing situation they're involved in, how strong our God is. And our God can defeat anything. And that's why these people do it. You can flip now, Bradley. Okay, so the month of May is dedicated to the Transend Self-Denial Appeal. And the theme of today is where God leads. I guess we've created a a mantle or a mandate here at St Normans that we are supporters of missions, Baptist missions as well as general overseas missions. And I guess we all know that missions are central to the heart of God because there's lots and lots of passages in the Bible that tell us that, but two in particular are Acts 1, 
1 to 8, which I'll talk about today, and Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And New Zealand Baptist Missionary Society, or NZBMS as we know it, is the heartbeat of missions for us in New Zealand. They are the ones that set the scene. Their work is tiresome. A lot of people involved, a lot of man hours, and a lot of churches getting them behind them. But essentially, we have to pray that with all of us having a part to play, in a little way and a big way, that the transient self-denial appeal for May will be an absolute amazing success. We told you last week the target we got was three and a half. We worked out during the week it was actually six. The guys have set 10 grand today. And look, that's a lot of money. And I think at the end of the day, God will appreciate whatever we do. 10 grand would be great, but we know a lot of people can't afford that $100 a week. So please, guys, don't put that pressure on yourselves. But self-denial is what it's all about. So Kay and I have agreed to do a couple of things. One is we'll stay off the wine for a month. Yes, we like a glass of wine. Not a lot, but we like a glass of wine. And we normally do fish and chips on a Saturday night. We won't do that as well. So we stayed home and had tea last night because... Part of the journey for us is easy to write a check for 100 bucks, but part of the journey for us is actually that self-sacrifice. So please don't put yourself under any unnecessary pressure, but Tori and Alex, you're doing a great job encouraging the guys anyway. You can go to the next slide. I wanted to introduce to you the missions team here at St Albans, so one more click. And it starts with Bradley Clark, our superstar of the morning, who's basically part of Missions Aviation Fellowship. And he's married Alvina, who has also got a heart for missions. So it's how God brings two people together to have a common interest in what they want to do. So Bradley will fly planes in the Arnhem Land up into PNG one day, and we'll be right behind him doing it. Then there's Robert and Robin Holland, who are involved in the Ramp Up Ministry Trust. And I think, Leanna, wherever you are, they might be still in Samoa at the moment. Okay, so they do some great work. Then I mentioned Leanna Dodge as well, but we also know Leanna's tireless work with NHT here in New Zealand as well. Then there's Alex Davies, who you saw up here, the guy that didn't have any shoes on as he came up to talk to you. I'm sure he wears shoes most of the time, but whatever reason, he didn't have any on today. Uh, Caleb Rattray, wherever you are, if you're here, maybe not. Um, then there's George Hatting. So George talked about the Philippines' short-term missions opportunity last week. And I'm going to talk about that later on because I think it's an amazing opportunity. I'm going to give you a little bit of extra information that might just get you interested. Then there's Jeanette, who I understand might be in Australia. She's not sitting down next to you today, so she's missed my <laughs> debut. Then there's me. But... I did come to see, and I'm pleased to see there are some young people here, because I did come to see you guys about five or six weeks ago, and I gave you the soft sell about what being on the missions team would actually be all about. Seb told me that one person actually took my phone number, and no one's rung me. But the, the real key is... <laughs> the real key is, is we really need a young person or two, and the reason we need you guys is that you bring a different thought leadership. You bring a different viewpoint. You bring some enthusiasm and interest. If you look at that bunch of people, not many of us are that young other than maybe Caleb, but the rest of us are ticking over. Not that old, but we're ticking over. So I would say it's, it's not a lot of effort. Lucky I can't hear you. Um, it's not a lot of effort. So again, I say, you know, please can you think about coming on the missions team? There's not a lot of work. We meet once every five, six, or seven weeks. Now, what do I mean by a young person? Just give us someone under 30, that'll do. Maybe two under 30, one under 20, but we would really, really appreciate some young people joining us. And there's also the opportunity for short-term missions. And don't undervalue what you can bring. I always say to young staff, never undervalue in any environment the influence and the leadership and the thoughts that you can bring that others haven't thought of. And often it's a different perspective that makes the biggest difference. So please think about it. You can flip, Bradley. Okay, a quote. And I, I like quotes, okay? So most of us 
Go to our graves with the music inside us unplayed. Oliver Wendell Holmes. There's lots of verses in the Bible that talk about the things that we should do in God's name. Lots of things in the Bible that talk about the way God talks to us, and you don't need me to talk about that today. We all have what we call music inside us. The music inside us is the things that we know we want to do, the things that we know God wants us to do, the things that we know we have a passion for, the things that we know God has given us a passion for, the things that we have skills for, and the things that God has given us a skill set for. And we spend years and years of our lives waiting for God to put the concrete wall with the sign off in front of us to say, you need to go and do this. And we all know how God talks, whether it be by a verse, by an encouragement, by something I say, what I say today, by someone who is speaking to you, whatever it might be. So the thing I say to you today from a missions perspective, every person who sits on the mission field today has basically said yes to the music inside them. And what they've allowed that music to do is to play and to come out and to do what they do in a tireless way that they do it. So if you're sitting there today, regardless of what it is, in God or in life or whatever, family, finances, and there's something playing inside you that you haven't yet played, play it outside today. Okay, next one. Now, where's Nat? You're the intern man, right? Part of being an intern is you get to read some scriptures unannounced, so you're going to read these scriptures for me on stage. It's up here. You can push it, Bradley. So you need to grab yourself a mic and read that for me. Testing, testing. All right. Clear voice, no pressure. In my former book, what's this word? Theophilus. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convicting proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Keep going. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Start from the top. Oh, the top. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. On one occasion, while, the, while he was eating with them, and he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promise, which you, have heard, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of, to Israel? He said to them, if it is not for you to know the times or dates, for the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Well done, mate. Okay. That was genuine training, by the way. Okay, so let's let's have a a focus on these. No, no, no. Keep going back. Got to wait for my command. Okay, so let's have a, a look at these verses for a couple of minutes. And basically, there were three themes that I thought came from it that were relevant, and three themes that I believe missionaries today focus in on 
and look at when they, before they go into the field, but also things that they continue to think about as they're actually in the field. And I guess what we do know is that shortly after these verses in uh, 9, 10, 11, and 12, that Jesus was taken up to heaven in a cloud, and two angels appeared and basically said to the apostles, disciples, that Jesus will appear again one day in the way that you've just seen him go. And we also know that they, uh, in verse 12 of Acts 1, that they, the apostles returned to Jerusalem a few days later. So I guess one thing that really strikes me is that the reason why Jesus had to tell them to return to Jerusalem is I guess if I'd been one of the apostles' disciples, I probably wouldn't want to go. Because as we all know, after the resurrection, no one was that popular in Jerusalem if you were a supporter of the Messiah. So Jesus had come, claimed to be the Messiah. The Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, effectively caused him to be crucified. So you weren't exactly popular if you were one of the disciples, the 11 at that stage, who went back to Jerusalem after the event. But I guess the real key thing is that what God said to them is that, and I guess if you look at that verse about where is it, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is Hey, can you get rid of the Romans for us? But I guess if you think about this really strongly, the thing that God really did here is he didn't say to them, I'm going to throw you into battle on your own. He said, wait in Jerusalem and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So he was saying, you stand here on your own as a human, but I'm going to fill you with a power that will allow you to actually create the church in Jerusalem. Because God, Jesus is gone. So it's now left to us as the people of firstly Jerusalem, but also then spread to Judea and Samaria, and then throughout the rest of the world. So he never considered for one moment to send those apostles into battle without the Spirit of God behind them, and having the tools and the armor on in their backpacks to actually deliver that message and to begin the church. And I guess one of the things that I looked at for the next slide, and if I was a missionary armed with the Holy Spirit, there were five things that I thought were important. You can flick it, Bradley. So our lives, lives become a witness to God, so loving as he is loving, forgiving as he is forgiving, tender-hearted as he is tender-hearted, and kind as he is kind and pure as he is pure. But the one thing that kind of struck me with that is that I guess we all know non-Christian people who are like that, but they won't get to heaven because they haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. But I look at Pon, I look at the Bobies, I look at all missionaries that are out in the field, and I know that they have to use those five things every day. Loving people as Jesus would have them loved himself. Loving people as you would want to be loved yourself. Forgiving. And I know in a, in a, in a secular sense or a, a sense back in New Zealand that giving forgiveness to people is hard because some people can step across our toes. We can be hurt, but we have to learn to forgive. We have to learn to put those things aside because at the end of the day, we can't be distracted from what we're trying to do. And there are many reasons why a missionary in the field will not want to forgive. Firstly, why am I here? But also, secondly, they've got to move on. And if I think about those things, you know, one of one of the things that I think God sometimes does is he almost has to trick us to get us to do what he wants us to do. So I never thought for a second that I would end up being a supporter of missions overseas. I didn't. What attracted me to the missions trip in Thailand in 2012 was the fact that I could go to an interesting country that maybe Kay and I wouldn't have actually considered on our trips. So for me it was about being interested phone hasn't rung, by the way, which is good. It was, for me, it was about being interested in going to another country for God to actually get me there and show me my, what missions work was all about. But I'd already had the bovies in my life. They were all, already very, very important. I already knew the work that Jeanette had done, 
But for me to be really convinced as to what God can do, he tricked me to go into Thailand. I mean that sort of in a, in a jovial sense, but you know what I mean. Sometimes God has to do a little bit sneaky to actually get us to do something he wants us to do. You can go to the next slide. Okay, so a real theme from Acts 1, to 1, 1 to 8 for me was that, let me catch up. I guess we all have to ask ourselves is, and this applies to New Zealand as well as overseas, not to look for where we are comfortable. I'm guilty of that. I know that every day as I walk through my Christian life, I'm always looking for where I am comfortable. And it's people around me and it's the word that challenges me to step out of my comfort zone. And a lot of people that stand up here do the same thing. But missionaries every day are well out of their comfort zone. But where we could be most effective as witnesses for Jesus and to remember that very often the presence of adversary makes the door great and effectual. And I think about Jeanette's story last week. She moved into an area that would have been petrifying for her. She'd probably never done a lot of it in, in the past, but it was the real battleground of what God is all about, especially in these, these Buddhist countries and Muslim countries where there is a completely different doctrine. And in many cases, Jesus is not acknowledged as the saviour of the world. So one of the things I got from those verses is to remember, and I'm as guilty as the next person, so I'm, not, I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else, that I need to be more than aware that missionaries today are out of their comfort zone every single day. For me, I might be out of comfort zone once or twice a week. And the next one? And I guess this was the real key. So Jesus said, return to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. So waiting times are not wasted times. As over-eagerness to rush into work, especially into difficult and perilous work, can end in defeat. Till we feel the power coming into us, we had better be still. And I guess we remember that throughout our entire Christian walk, don't we? We realize that actually task-orientated Christianity is not actually that good. That sometimes you have to sit and wait, listen to God, take some time to actually see what he has to say. Let his spirit fill your heart and also realize what you're about to do. And I think even though missionaries have to do that every day of their lives, we too at local level can also do that as well. Righto. Where are we up to? Next one. I'm going to talk about Pon. Now, I know Pon is not a transient missionary, but this is about missionaries overseas. So who is Pon? Pon is a 56-year-old Thai woman. She's planted a church initially in Lopbury, and now she's planted a church in Weset, and she pastors that church. You know what a pastor does. A pastor every day is doing something either for the people, for the buildings, for the surrounding district. There's always something going on. There's always the evil of, of the devil getting in the way. Her father was a Buddhist monk, and I don't know a lot about Buddhism, but basically they don't acknowledge Jesus as the saviour. They live a good life, but it's all about that sort of spiritual realm. So when your father, who's a Buddhist monk, realises that you're going to become a Christian, that's not a good situation to be in, not an ideal family scenario. So she became a Christian whilst Jeanette was in Thailand in what you would describe as extremely adverse situation, probably a lot more adverse than any of us at our time of conversion. And she's a woman with an amazing capacity. I'm gonna, we're going to watch a video. So Jeanette did a quick interview with her a few weeks ago. It's about six minutes, so strap in. It's got a translation along the bottom. And then I'll talk a little bit more about POM when that's finished. Thanks, Lovely Bradley. to see you again. We have many new people in our church at St. Orphans, and we would like to get to know you a bit. Could you introduce yourself and tell us about... What it's like to be a pastor in Thailand? 
It's good to have subtitles. It's meant to have subtitles, don't worry. Brandy will fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back to it? Okay, you're going to have a All right. Okay, so look, we will come back to the video because I think it's really important. You've seen a bit of, bit of a picture. So in 2012, I went to Thailand with the Creative Ministries team, and, and basically, what did we go to do? We went to communities within Lopbury, and we did a creative arts ministry, so we sang songs. I can't sing, but Bradley and others can. So on that trip were the two Annas, uh, Dave Prattley, Bradley Clark, Jeanette, Leanna. So we sang some songs. We did some sort of role play, play acting stuff. We did some puppet shows. But there were three or four things that I saw in Pond's world that really made a difference to me. So when we got to Lopbury, she took us to the church that she had actually raised funds for within the community to build. And we went into her basically into what I called her living quarters, and it was one room. So her clothes were down one side, her bed was a mattress, and she had a little bit of a storage cabinet, and that was about it. So I said to myself, you know, where, where do you live, Pon? Well, I live here. And what really struck me was that she was actually very happy to have one room. And I live in a standard home, as we all do, with my bedroom, the ensuite, the bathroom, the lounge, the kitchen, the toilet, the shower. But she was happy with one room. And at the end of the day, she was grateful to God for giving her somewhere to live that was safe, but was it in a safe environment in a Buddhist country? But she actually wanted for nothing. Because she knew that she only had a certain amount of clothing she could have. She knew that she only had a limited number of possessions because she was happy. And I looked and thought, why am I not happy with what I've got sometimes? Why am I always wanting more when she has got more than she needs and she's happy for it? And she's grateful to God for giving her the opportunity. I guess the other thing was that we went to a woman's prison. And what we basically did is you could really see from Pon. We did a couple of, of, of things within our regime. We did a, a bit of a song, etc. And what really struck me was her concern for every one of those women in the prison. There must have been 150 of them. I don't know what they were in there for. It might have been petty theft. It might have been violence. It could have been murder. We don't know. But Pon had a heart for every one of those women and she earns nothing. She struggles week by week by week, and she had the concern to go into that prison and tell what God had done in her life and talked about why we were there. And she wanted to save every one of those ladies. And that meant something to me, because all of a sudden, I could see what it meant to her, and I could see what the importance of missions was. And all of a sudden, it said to me, I need to be part of this. I need to be passionate. I need to pray for her. I need to encourage her. I need to show her that I mean something to her, that she means something to me. And I want to get behind that. So if you want to know why I'm passionate about Pon, and I talk about her a lot, and the Bovies will always be special to me. Never, ever forget that. They've been in my life for 40 years. But I have seen what Pon has done. And do you know, I've left. I went back there. I haven't been back since 2012. But I know Pon is doing that day in, day out. The other part of us, we went to an AIDS temple. And basically, these are people, it's a Buddhist temple, and these are people that are dying of AIDS. So Pon came along, Jeanette came along, and two or three of us went along. And I didn't want to know about it. I was happy to be there, but I didn't want to touch anything. I didn't want to touch anyone or anything, because I didn't know what it was going to happen. I knew I wouldn't get AIDS, but I didn't want to have anything to do with it. 
But again, what really struck me, and Jeanette was part of this as well, is that when you've got a heart for people who are dying with no hope, they were right at the forefront. So we went to a couple of beds, and basically there was one particular lady who looked half dead. I'll be honest, she looked awful. She was lying in her bed, eyes closed, and Jeanette said to her, can we pray for you? And the way that she came alive with the hope that someone was going to pray for her, she probably knew she wouldn't survive, but someone was going to pray for her who had a heart to be there for a dying woman that society had excluded, didn't want to know about. That meant everything. She jumped up and she was, and I think she was blind, she was excited for someone to pray for her. And Jeanette held her hand and prayed for her for recovery and for wellness and for a a good process. And that was amazing because I didn't want to do it. I was three metres away. I was looking from afar because I didn't, have the, I didn't have the courage to get up there and hold this lady's hand and pray for her. But Pon and Jeanette, because they had a heart for missions, were there. But then also, another scenario, we, we went to a, um, we did a little bit of, bit of our show at one of the little communities, and there was an elderly couple there, and they actually asked Jeanette if we as a team could come back to their house and actually just be in their property. The reason why they wanted it, and Jeanette just said, just go with this, the reason why they actually, she wanted us to come back to her house is she believed by having Christians from another country in her house, house God would bless her. Now, you know and I know that we're not idols, and that wouldn't be the case. But her faith was, because we were there, we were displaying what Christian behavior was like, we were displaying what being a, a God person was, and she was a Christian herself, that she wanted us to go to her house. And that was an amazing situation to be in. And Jeanette just said, just go with it, just be there, and just be present. So again, four situations for me that I saw with my own eyes that made a real difference to me, and it was the woman's prison that hit me the hardest. And then I watched her preach some sermons in her local church. Now, her church is, it was relatively large. There might have been 30 or 40 people there, but she preached like there were 400. She preached like God meant absolutely everything to her, and she preached like nothing would get in the way of her faith, nothing would get in the way of her courage, nothing would stop her from getting on the streets the following day to preach what the good news God has got for us. How are we going, Bradley? Right.
ี่ฉันเห็นเขาตั้งแต่เขายังไม่เป็นคริสเตียนยังไม่รู้จักพระเจ้าเห็นเขารับชื่อเห็นชีวิตของเขาเปลี่ยนแปลงมารู้จักพระเจ้าแล้วก็หลายคนตอนนี้เป็นผู้นำคริสตจักรบางคนได้มีเป็นสิทธิพิบาลบางคนเป็นอาจารย์สอนในโรงเรียนพุทธิสธรรมบางคนก็ประกอบอาชีพเขาก็เป็นคริสเตียนที่เป็นตัวอย่างในงานที่เขาทำก็อันนั้นเป็นสิ่งที่หนุนใจที่เป็นกำลังใจให้ในการรับใช้พระเจ้าตลอดมาแต่ก็มีบางสิ่งที่รู้สึกเจ็บปวดด้วยก็คือการที่บางคนมาเชื่อพระเจ้าแล้วแต่เราเห็นว่าเขายังไม่อุทิศตัวให้กับพระเจ้าหลายคนก็ละทิ้งพระเจ้ากลับไปใช้ชีวิตเหมือนเดิมหรือแย่กว่าเดิมหรือบางคนยังเรียกตัวเองว่าเป็นคริสเตียนเชื่อพระเจ้าแต่ชีวิตไม่เปลี่ยนไม่ได้มีชีวิตที่เดินกับพระเยซูไม่ได้เดินในความสว่างของพระเยซูจริงๆก็อันนั้นก็เราก็รู้สึกทุกข์ใจบางครั้งก็คิดเอ๊ะเราลบผิดอะไรเรามีส่วนผิดพลาดตรงไหนถึงถึงเป็นแบบนี้อะไรอย่างนี้ค่ะ Thailand that make it difficult for people to believe. คือหลายคนเรียกตัวเองเป็นคริสเตียนแต่ไม่มาไม่มานมัสการพระเจ้าหรือไม่มาคริสจักรอาจจะอาจจะไม่รู้ว่าจะมาเพื่ออะไรมาแล้วจะได้อะไรหรือบางครั้งการที่คนไทยเนี่ยเป็นสังคมที่ผูกพันกันโดยเฉพาะต่างจังหวัดแต่ถ้าสังคมเมืองเนี่ยคิดเสียนก็จะเป็นคิดเสียนได้ง่ายเพราะคนไม่ค่อยรู้จักกันแต่ถ้าสังคมต่างจังหวัดเนี่ยถ้าเขาจะไปไหนก็จะมีคนสอบถามอ้าวไปไหนเนี่ยบอกว่าเออไปคิดจักรไปนมัสการพระเจ้าไปเรียนพระคัมภีร์อะไรอย่างเงี้ยก็เพื่อนบ้านก็จะนี่มันนับถือศาสนาฝรั่งอะไรอย่างเงี้ยเราก็จะจะแยกอย่างนั้นเป็นคนไทยก็ต้องนับถือพุทธสิไปนับถือศาสนาฝรั่งทำไมอะไรอย่างนี้เพราะว่าเขาคิดว่าคริสคือพระเจ้าเป็นของฝรั่งคนไทยต้องต้องพุทธอะไรอย่างนี้นะคะ And how much does Buddhism play in their everyday life ศาสนาพุทธกับชีวิตประจำวันยังไงคือตื่นเช้าขึ้นมาคนไทยก็จะต้องตักบาตรต้องทําบุญเพื่อทําให้จิตใจของเขาสบายใจอะไรอย่างเงี้ยแม้แต่ถ้าคนในจะต่างจังหวัดอย่างนี้นะคะถ้าจะไปเที่ยวก็ไม่มีสถานที่เที่ยวเขาก็ไปเที่ยววัดมีงานวัดอะไรอย่างเงี้ยทําโปแฟร์อย่างเงี้ยก็ไปเที่ยวงานวัดสนุกสนานเพราะฉะนั้นชีวิตของเขาก็ตั้งแต่เกิดจนตายก็จะต้องพึ่งพาวัดเป็นสังคมที่พึ่งพาบางคนก็อาศัยอาศัยที่ดินของวัดปลูกบ้านเ
think the guys have got it. Isn't she an amazing woman? You just get a sense of the, the sheer passion and energy that she displays, and you know, she's unashamedly Christian, unashamedly number one for God, eh? Okay, so we can flick on. So what does she do? I'm not going to stress too much on this slide, homeward stretch. So you can see that she's planted and pastoring a church in Wiset. She also administers Christian camps in Prabat and Manoram, uh, assisted administrator for 12 OMF churches in southern region, admin of a social fund. The social fund is relative to relatives of the church who have died. There's normally a social fund set up for the families to give them support, mentors Christian leaders, and has an unwell sister who's a diabetic. That is a full-time job. That requires a lot of travel, especially around the different camps and the Christian camps. So flick on to the next slide. We do have a need. So Pond needs a new car. And it's been an ongoing problem for the last two to three years. She's got a 1996 Honda City, 255,000 Ks. You might say, well, that's fine. My, my car's 1991 and it's going fine. The problem is she doesn't have the 20 to 25,000 baht per year to maintain on the road. So that's about probably 1,500 New Zealand dollars. She does not have it. Alex mentioned to you this morning the cost of you know, a missionary overseas. She lives there, so there's certain expenses maybe she avoids, but the reality is she doesn't have the money to fix that car. There's 100% tax on cars, so essentially you pay five for a car here, you pay 10 over there in equivalent dollars. We have $7,000 for her at the moment to buy a new car. We haven't determined what exactly that car might look like at this stage. She'll make that decision, but we have 7000 separate to self-denial that we're going to give her to buy a new car. That hasn't been whipped from the other coffers, by the way. That has come in independently. We would like, and only we would like, what we don't want is for anybody to sacrifice transient self-denial. I have to stress that this slide is not about sacrificing transed self-denial. If that's what you're doing, that's all you need to do. Always saying if there's one or two people out there in a business sense perhaps who would like to contribute some money to get from seven to nine to send it across to her so we can buy her a new car so she can continue her ministry for the next one, two, three, five or ten years. I think Pond is looking to retire probably in five or six years. But we'd like her to have a car beyond that as well. And we have seen the evidence of what she can do. If we only get seven, we'll send her seven. But she can sell that 1996 Honda City and probably get maybe $1,000 for it. So the appeal we have today, if anybody would like to talk to me about that option, we would love to talk to you. But we're going to get her a new car, come what may. Next one. Philippines short-term missions. Now, I saw the boards go from back to, uh, front to back last week, and I thought they went really fast. Normally that means no one's putting their name down because I think you probably either got intimidated, couldn't do it. But what I want to say is this, it's an amazing opportunity. And the third point down, those dates can be moved. So George talked about end of September through to October. So if you've made a decision that you can't be involved because those dates don't work, forget that. Essentially what we're saying is that George Hadding has put his hand up and said, I'm prepared to take people across for a short-term missions trip into the business area that we fund things in the local community between now and the end of next year. All we're saying is if you have a potential heart to see for yourself, now you saw a little clip last week or a picture of 400 kids being fed in a room, smiles on their faces, being happy, and all they were doing was giving them some food, sharing a few tracks and telling a few stories. So the thing I want to say today is we can move those dates, costs can be managed, we can billet people out. It would be really, really sad if that fell over and no one's interested. So if there's an interest, put your name on a board. At some, we'll do it at some point in time, but don't do it now. Did we get any names on them at all? 
One name. Well, that's a start, okay? A bit like the young people joining the missions team. We only need one to get started. Okay, but God, God does turn up. That is the reality. And those faces, those smiles on those kids' faces, the smiles on those women in the prison mean everything when you're involved in the thick of it. So please, please consider it. People's lives do change. And go and have a go for yourself and see what actually goes on. Thanks, Bradley. So what else do we pray and encourage for and support in a non-financial sense uh, for our missions team here in, in uh, St. Albans? So Andrew and Jan Bobie, as you guys know, John Scott with the Ramp Up Ministry Trust, Pon in Thailand, Bradley with MAF, but effectively all overseas missions. So the way forward for us is we want God's message to be sent to the world, to those areas of the world where religion is different to what we believe in. But we believe that those people, once they get that conviction of God to go and send that message and do what they need to do is really, really important. If we don't sit back here and pray and encourage, then that mission, missionary will die. That, that mission situation will die away. We don't want to let that happen. And to wrap it up, Okay, we have a press-up challenge, all right? So basically, as you can see, I've been respectful calling him pastor, and then I've been cheeky putting in the muscle, so I've kind of got a double negative. But Pastor John, the muscle alp, has basically agreed, if we hit our target, haven't agreed what that target is with him yet, because I, I don't think we'll set it at 10, because I'm, I'm a bit nervous about that, but not to worry. Um, so he said he can get to 30, target's 35, but we're going to make it 40. Basically, what he's suggesting is that none of you guys can go with him. So he doesn't believe there's a single person in this church that can do 30 to 40 press-ups on stage with him on that final day. That's what you said, eh, John? You did. Okay, so there is, a, there is actually a, um, a financial target yet to be agreed with him. But let's just make it a bit of fun, okay? Part of being in a church environment is to learn to laugh at ourselves, learn to have a little bit of fun. If he gets to 25, who cares? It just means we had a go, okay? Challenges are welcome. So essentially, what we're going to do on the final day when we announce the total, John will come up, he'll aim to get us 40, and what we want is anybody who thinks they can go with him, and even if you can't, who cares? No one's going to remember, all right? Get up here. <laughs> No one's going to remember, and we'll have a bit of fun with it. So I guess, look, to wrap up, um, missions is really important. Transcend self-denial is a critical part of our calendar. I've seen for myself what God can do. I've seen for myself what God can do with a lot of you. And I go back to that phrase, most of us go to our graves with the music inside us unplayed. If you've got the music inside you unplayed, then play it, because sometimes it might be too late. Next year might be too late, two years' time. Even tomorrow might be too late. And the la very last slide, you can always rely on God, because in all things, through Christ, which strengthens me. King James Version, Philippians 4.13. So I'll leave you to ponder that. Thanks for the opportunity. I should have said music team up earlier, shouldn't I? I was a bit unprepared. Sorry, Katie. But that's me. Thank you very much.